0: Welcome to Bring Your Brilliance. Are you ready to find and amplify your voice? Looking to be inspired by those who are already out there making it happen? Listen in as we shine a light on those who bring their full, authentic selves to do what they love, make no apologies, and don't try to fit into other people's boxes. With your host, Carla Taylor, who, after years of being inspired by the brilliantly shining people she was meeting, decided others need to hear these stories, too.
1: Welcome to the Bring Your Brilliance radio show. I am your host, Carla Taylor, and we are here on Inspired Choices Network. And today we are going to be talking to an incredibly special guest, and his name is Mark Metri. And if you haven't heard of him, you absolutely should. He is the host of a very well-known podcast called Humans 2.0, and I am so excited. I've also been connecting with him and seeing him on LinkedIn for quite some time now. He's got a huge following there. He produces so much great content on LinkedIn, on his podcast, as well as all the other things that he's been doing lately. And I am so thrilled to be able to bring him to my listeners and um, help talk about his brilliance and all the things that he's been doing. So today's show... It's called Screw Being Shy, and that's also the name of his upcoming, or actually it's already out now, book,
2: Um,
1: and it's all about managing social anxiety. So Mark, I'm going to go ahead and read our intro and read a little bit about your bio, and then I'm so excited to get into the conversation with you. So my first question to my audience, yeah, thank you. I, I love that you are here, and I'm so grateful that we were able to work this out, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of the stuff that's going on. First, let me just ask my audience, um, have you or someone you know ever suffered from social anxiety? Are you an introvert and tired of being the quiet person in the back of the room, that is, if you even make it to the room? And do you want to learn how you can screw being shy and be yourself in front of anyone? In this very special Bring Your Brilliance episode, I'm interviewing the one and only Mark Metry, yes, that Mark Metry, host of the Humans 2.0 podcast, who's overcome his own crippling shyness to become a global top 100 podcaster, TEDx keynote speaker, star of an Amazon Prime documentary series, and has over 50 million views of his content. Learn how he forged his own path as a 22-year-old spending his time on the planet trying to impact and influence others by evolving and upgrading to the next version of himself, version 2.0. He's going to be sharing with us about his his new book on mental health and transformation, and it's just come out, and it's called Screw Being Shy, How to Manage Social Anxiety and Be Yourself in Front of Anyone. Mark is a Forbes-featured keynote speaker, Um, He's been in Forbes, Influences, Inc., Huffington Post, Fearless Motivation, and many, many more. He has over 58,000 followers on LinkedIn. He's been a guest at over 100 and counting radio shows and podcasts. And he's an international TEDx keynote speaker at conferences, schools, and Fortune 500s delivering meaningful and transformative current-edge knowledge. And you can learn way more about him at markmetry.com. That's M A R K M E T R Y dot com. And of course, definitely go and listen and subscribe to the Humans 2.0 podcast. It's a top global 100 podcast. And um, we are so excited to have you here on the show. Welcome, Mark.
2: Oh, man. I feel like I need to go back into my bio and just take everything you said and <laughs> have that be my new kind of introduction and copy. That was very well done. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Yes. Well, you are incredibly impressive. I have been admiring you for for from afar, really, from for a very long time, and then finally started engaging with you actually on LinkedIn. And you are one of my absolute favorite people. And anybody who's listened to my show knows I'm a huge LinkedIn lover. <laughs> and you awesome. are definitely one of my top people to follow because you're constantly producing such. Incredible content. So first and foremost, thank you for being such a big influence already on my life.
2: Yeah, I mean, thank you for uh, having that capacity to, to open up and to listen to what I'm saying.
1: Well, that is one of your greatest gifts, and I want to get a lot more into that, but I always like to start my show, and I know you start with a really specific question as well that I actually want to ask you, but first, my question is, how did you get here? So I really like to walk people through someone's career history. I've done a lot of career coaching and worked with a lot of career clients, and so it's really interesting to me, and it's a really interesting story, I think, to hear how someone gets from one place at the beginning to the other. Now you have a very unique situation in that you are currently still only 22 years old. <laughs> Is that still correct? <laughs> or have you had a birthday? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, i was 22. I'm still 22. I'll turn 23 in in July. Um but That's, yeah, I mean it's amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean thank you. Yeah. And when I look back at my life, I mean yeah, it's it, it's really crazy and I'm super grateful that I get to do what I do. And so for me like, you know, my parents uh, are immigrants from Egypt. They came to America, East Coast, a couple of years before I was born, and um, mm-hmm. had a very humbling childhood. Very simple, just me, my mom, dad, and and sister. We moved around like a thousand times, uh, like a lot of other immigrants, and um, you know, overall, it's just a very sort of simple, humbling time. And when I look back at my life today as you know sort of events that really shaped who I am. Uh in about second third grade, um, we ended up moving out of kind of the bigger city and into a small town with five thousand people. And in that small wow. town with five thousand people, uh the really interesting part about that was there was there was no uh racial diversity whatsoever. And so everyone mm. there was Caucasian, everyone there was white, except for maybe me and maybe about a couple other People in like my whole school and the whole town. And so I definitely, um, and you know, my parents being that they're Middle Eastern and I'm Middle Eastern, um, and, uh, you know, kind of 9 11, you know, just happening at that mm-hmm. time right after. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of turmoil when it came to, um,
1: Absolutely. like
2: racism. And I definitely had my fair share of, uh, like racism, bullying. And really what happened was, um, These, these factors and combined with some other ones, they really just helped create this mentality in my head that basically just put me in a pool for 10 years of me basically just saying, like, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to talk to people. Uh, people don't like me. And in turn, I didn't really have any friends. I had so many boundaries on my life. And so I just kind of lived, (laughs) not my 20s, but I lived my my 10s, um, sort of didn't really live them, didn't really play any sports, didn't really have friends, didn't really get to do the things that kids get to do because of my issues. And so um, the way that I kind of dealt with that was by hustling and by going on the internet and by becoming an entrepreneur. And for me, when I was like 15, 16, I became pretty financially successful to the point where I was I was independent at 15, 16. And when that happened, it really taught me that, like, there, you know, there is no such thing as as happiness being a future destination. You either mm-hmm. have That's a, a grasp point. of it. On, yeah. You either have a grasp of it on a daily basis, or it's never going to happen. And this is just a trick that our mind plays to just get us to sacrifice and to hustle in the present moment for some future moment of reward that may or may not never come. And so I kind of realized that slowly, but surely when I was 15, 16, 17, because I had a ton of money, but I was like, wait, I'm still like the same loser in my head. Like I, like my brain hasn't changed mm. the way that it thought about itself. And so, um, you know, that sort of happened. And then that really led me to asking bigger questions in life and like, What is success? What am I actually doing here with my life? What's the point of all of this? And eventually, when I was 18, that led me down another not-so-great road of um, me trying to almost escape the responsibility of being myself, of kind of being that person who can actually utilize my full potential. And the only way that you escape that voice is by trying to escape yourself in your own head. And so this is a time where I... You know, began to um, you know experiment with varying things, whether that was drugs, alcohol, um, Netflix. Um, <laughs> for me, though, the big uh, the big escape was with food. I remember I would come home every night when I was eighteen, and I would just binge eat food because um, I really just had no idea what to do with my life, and I was trying to use. Doritos and ice cream and pizzas as a way to deal with my emotions and then that eventually led me to being over 200 pounds uh, my lifelong social anxiety uh, transformed into social isolation and I began to actually get depression for um, I probably say the first time seriously in my life which eventually led me to even being suicidal at one point and flirting with suicide and so um, you know, I really kind of experienced this and eventually it led me to me waking up. It eventually led me to me kind of facing a low that I've never felt before and realizing that I either have to change my lifestyle, I either have to change what I'm doing or I'm going to become a statistic and I'm not gonna right. survive. And so and that's, that's essentially what a I great realized.
1: Point.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I, and you know, it wasn't uh it wasn't a one day Thing nothing changed in my life overnight, but it was just a series of small steps that eventually, you know, has led me to this point, being on this show with you. So it's been an interesting ride to say the least. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, what's so fascinating and remarkable about you is that you are 22 years old, and yet you've already lived way more than most people at any age. From the fact of what you were able to see in yourself, and you're such an observer. And that's one of the things I have admired most about you is that you're not only an observer, but you're really good at articulating your observations as you're going through them and getting really, really introspective and reflective of what you're actually going through from a very young age. Like, I don't know very many people who have that level of self-awareness so young. Um, and I do believe that the the, the – you know, staying quiet and, and isolating yourself. And it's just really interesting that we're actually having this discussion right now in the midst of the social isolation that's being forced upon the world right now with everything that's yeah. going on. And you've already lived through that of your own accord and used that time to better yourself, which is such a great example for all of us right now to see what you did. You've already led the way. You've already actually done this for yourself at such a young age. And part of me is wondering, like, I actually was also very, very shy as a young person. And I had a very similar, you know, I didn't have a 5,000-person town. And, in fact, my kids currently go to a 5,500-person high school, which just is kind of blowing my mind for a point of perspective there. But I did have crippling shyness as a child up until age 16. And while I did have a lot of my own awareness and self-introspection, I didn't get to the point that you're now at until I was well into my 40s. So how is it that you had that that wherewithal and that awareness for yourself to be able to dig in and do the hard work in such a an accelerated yeah. fashion in your own life?
2: Yeah, it's absolutely it's a great question. So I think first and foremost – we we have to back up here and we have to kind of define some of these terms that we're talking about. And so, you know, okay, first great. and foremost, there's a difference between being an introvert and being someone who is shy and has social anxiety. And so, a okay. definition of the, of an introvert is defined as someone who predominantly spends most of their time focusing on the internal world, their feelings, thoughts, and emotions. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that why you usually get a higher percentage of introverts that do end up developing social anxiety. However, you can be an extrovert and be shy and have social anxiety. And so when you actually look at it, it is totally natural and it's okay to every once in a while be shy. You know, it's a totally natural emotion depending on the environment. If you're maybe doing something for the first time with people you don't know, it's totally okay to be shy for like those first five, 10, 10 minutes. However, there are people, this usually starts off at around 10, 11, where they begin developing that behavior. They feel shy in almost every situation that they walk into. And it almost sort of becomes kind of like their default mode of behavior, almost like their personality. And so what happens Mm. is if you are repetitively shy, and some people grow out of this, and some people don't grow out of this, then it has a chance of becoming social anxiety. And social anxiety is essentially when your body and your mind have formed this feedback loop that is always going on, and you can't actually escape it. And so what will happen is like, you'll start to feel shy, you'll start to feel socially anxious, and you'll start to get thoughts that say like, hey, what is this person over here thinking about you? Are they making fun of what you're wearing? Are they making fun of your weight? Um, Should I actually say that? Or no, I shouldn't say that because nobody wants to hear me talk because they don't value my opinion. And so you'll get all these thoughts, and then you'll start to get socially anxious. And your body will, you know, maybe um, maybe um, uh, maybe your forehead starts to sweat maybe your armpits start to sweat, maybe your legs start shaking, maybe your throat clenches and tightens up, maybe your mind starts racing. And when you do have to talk, you don't know what to say. And so if that happens, then a lot of the times what ends up happening is you'll walk into an environment, someone who ends up developing social anxiety, and they may not even be anxious, they may not even be shy. However, Because it's happened for so long, their body will now automatically begin to send them the symptoms and what it looks like to be shy and to have those sort of bodily responses of looking down and your heartbeat going. And in turn, that will make your mind anxious and you'll actually start to feel like you are shy and socially anxious. And so people can get stuck almost in like this trap. And something I talk about in my book is like the the worst prison – for uh for anyone is the mind because you don't know Mm. where the jail cell starts and where it begins and so i was literally stuck in this trap for almost 10 years of my life and yet you know i don't necessarily think i'm the smartest person or the most talented or or whatever i just think i'm totally normal but i definitely think i have potential and i was finally able to kind of access my potential Once I kind of understood this and began to actually become myself. And the other side of this and why this is a big problem is because most of the world, quite frankly, doesn't really understand the differences between being an introvert and being shy and someone who likes Mm. being in the quiet and uninterrupted versus someone who is actually doing that, not because they want to, but because their brain is telling them. Uh, to do that. And so, you know, this, this has a lot of disservice. And, you know, you mentioned social isolation. And I mean, social isolation is worse for you than smoking eight to 10 cigarettes a day for your physical health. And so mm-hmm. when you actually look at the data, social anxiety is heavily correlated with not just social isolation, but also uh, substance abuse and both substance abuse mm. and also social isolation are both heavily connected to suicide and so i kind of almost fell down that road and it really just kind of made me realize that most of the world has no idea this problem is going on and i'm very much in like the um entrepreneurial world in the mm-hmm. um you know in like the self improvement world and i didn't i hadn't really heard anybody talk about kind of this narrative um and um and um and sort of um and, and sort of like this is such a major issue because it actually harms people but yet it's sort of invisible if you don't have it and so that's that's why i, I wrote the totally book agree kind of, with uh, you and
1: i've i've also been in that world for so long and i have also experienced a lot of what you're talking about and i'm learning a lot of things for the first time from you so let's go ahead and take a break right now i want to come back to this and fi- finish this part of the conversation and then get into a lot more when we get back. Again, my name is Carla Taylor. This is the Bring Your Brilliance radio show on the Inspired Choices Network. We are here talking with Mark Metry, and we will be right back.
0: We all have a personal brand. It's what people say about you when you're not in the room. What if you knew how to clearly and confidently communicate your value in a compelling way? Tune in to the Bring Your Brilliance radio show with personal branding and LinkedIn strategist Carla Taylor to discover the tools, resources, and inspiration you need to get started and keep growing. Are you ready to make your mark? Learn how to bring your brilliance by listening to the Bring Your Brilliance radio show every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Mountain, and 7 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is the Bring Your Brilliance radio show with personal branding and LinkedIn strategist Carla Taylor. To join today's conversation, call in the U.S. at 815-880-8255. Or Canada at six one three eight zero zero eight seven three six, or Skype at Inspired Choices Network, or ask a question or send a comment by email at bringyourbrilliance at gmail dot com. Now back to the program.
1: Welcome back to the Bring Your Brilliance Radio Show. This is Carla Taylor. We are here on Inspired Network, and we are being very inspired by the choices that Mark Metry has been sharing with us. He is the host of the Humans Two podcast, a top global one hundred podcast. Uh you've had over fifty million uh views and impressions of your uh content, so I'm so thrilled that you are here with us today. And Mark, right before the break You were talking about the difference between social anxiety, being an introvert, and all of the different things that you just explained are so fascinating, especially, I mean, I'm sure it is for everyone, but especially for me, knowing that I'm an extrovert, and I've always been confused about why I was so shy when I was young. Up until the age of 16, I literally hardly talked to anyone, and I was painfully shy, and what you just explained about the way our mind works and how we are, how this run this mental program that keeps getting reinforced every time we start to feel that anxiety. Um, and thinking back, I was listening as you were talking, and I was thinking back about my own experience with all of that. And I grew up with a sister who was just a year ahead of me in school, and she had been bullied by a neighbor at a very young age. And then she kind of Turned that to me and constantly reinforced to me that everybody else in the world was laughing at me or just made me feel like no one could possibly like who I was. And I'm finally understanding now (laughs) from what you even just said that that anxiety-producing voice that eventually became my own voice in my head is exactly what was keeping me in that prison you just described.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I think at the, I think the reality is, is like I, when I was doing my research uh, about social anxiety in general, and about like, you mm-hmm. know, how confident you are, and, and how you can speak up and all that stuff, um, you know, I was sort of baffled by the amount of people who are writing books or articles that quite frankly, just talk about the sort of surface level of like, hey, here are five, t- five tips on how to network better or here here are five uh, ways to build your confidence better. And I think all those can be fine, but I think you need to get to the root cause at the end of the day. And right. so yeah. a major part of that has to do with how sort of our brains formed in the earlier part of our lives. And a, a major aspect, and I talk about this in the book, is that... Um, being shy is actually a coping response to psychological trauma and not a lot of us know this uh, because the matter of the fact is, is this is the same mechanism that quite frankly creates a lot of issues in our lives. So for me, like I kind of gave you uh, my story before, you know, I was kind of in a repeated environment where I was just made to feel like I was different. I was alone than everyone. People made fun of me, all this stuff. And then for other people, that could be something different. And so when that happened to me, you know, my brain was like, man, we got to find a way to protect ourselves because that was really painful. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you then get into, um, you know, you then get into how to build a defense mechanism. And so you essentially, you know, and this looks this looks different for other people. So, for example, I mean, for some people, it's like their traumatic experience was, you know, their dad was an alcoholic. And he he beat them. Mm -hmm. And so their response to that was, hey, I got to get I got to get super physically strong and go to the gym every day so that nobody can hurt me again. And so essentially, everyone has a different version of this problem. But this is the human experience. And I think once you can actually become aware of that and begin to like look at your health and look at uh, what you're doing, then you can very much um, kind of go back and uh and kind of begin to retrace these and the biggest thing i think is just kind of learning how you deal with pain it's learning how mm-hmm. you um have dealt with pain your entire life and so for me like i have memories of me like in high school after getting out of school and being super stressed out and whatnot i would go to you know uh, a fast food drive through or go through some kind of a store And I would just buy whatever kind of snacks, junk food, candy that I would get. And then what a lot of people also don't know is that when you eat sugar, when you eat processed sugar, that is one of the most readily available forms of energy for your brain. And so what happens is you're anxious a lot of us are using food as a coping mechanism it's been said that anxi- that food is the biggest anxiety drug out there that is used and so yeah, we're food eating and that sugar for sure
1: to,
2: for sure and so we're doing that to make us feel better when in reality that easily available form of sugar your brain processes it and because the sugar the energy is so fast your brain uses that energy to fuel anxiety And so you'll sort of go through this cycle. And then what happens is after your blood sugar glucose level crashes, you're now tired. So you're now looking for maybe maybe it's something else with sugar, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's another kind of food, maybe it's some kind of behavior that you don't like to lift you up. And so a lot of us will sort of be stuck in these patterns of behavior to try to deal with our pain that we usually formed at an early age that is usually not the healthiest coping mechanism. And so a major theme that I think someone should kind of get down, not just for social anxiety, but for really trying to tackle these big, bigger elements in our lives, is you have to become aware of how you're dealing with pain. You have to understand and, and maybe document that, whether you're using maybe food to cope with it. Maybe it's, maybe it's every time you, you get upset or you get painful, you know, you, you should have shut off from the world and you don't want to talk to anybody and you're angry at people. And so again, everyone has a different version of this. It could be different for everyone, but you want to identify what you're doing for your pain. And you want to switch those over to healthier coping mechanisms, because there are a lot of things that you right. can do that are healthy, that can help you grow rather than help destroy you and make your problems actually worse by you know, you sort of attaching band-aid solutions that would just come back to bite you even worse. And so I think a great way for sort of people to understand the root cause is by looking at their psychological trauma and then seeing their relationship with their with pain and what they do every time that they're stressed out. What do they do every time they're in pain? What do they do every time that they are uncertain or they're confused or they're bored. And so I think when you look at that you can really tell a lot about what makes a person a person and then also how to help redesign them inside out.
1: Well, and that's one of the things that I've so enjoyed about you and and all of your content whether wherever you're you're putting it, or you're saying it or if you're writing it and you're such an excellent writer too, but what I love is that you're focusing on um the root cause and you're focusing on not just figuring out what's wrong but then actually giving people step by step you have so many great, like even the little mini documents that you put out there and all the th- ways that you've used content on LinkedIn to showcase what can you do, what can you focus on, and focusing on where you're wanting to go and then breaking it down into step-by-step actions. And that's exactly what you're just talking about is figuring out the root cause. There's so many ways people numb out, There's so many ways that people cope, like you said, with their pain. And I recently heard someone say if sugar was – invented or released today, it would be considered a drug because it does have such an incredible effect on our brains. And I love what you just said about then the brain using that energy to actually feel more of what we're already feeling, which, as you said, the anxiety, yeah. which then we crash from, and then that produces even more numbing or coping mechanisms in our lives.
2: Yeah, and that's right exactly now, it. i and-
1: with I'm sorry. going into... <laughs> No, 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 It's okay. We have a slight delay. So sometimes it's hard to not step on people's words, but we do have a, a, a time in our lives right now that, that even people who haven't been introverts or experiencing social anxiety are going to be having to look at themselves and how they're spending their time really deliberately mm. because – you know, most people staying at home right now, and they're, it's going to be tempting to just go eat all the sugar or the chips or the things that people have been styling or go and just numb out on Netflix and think, oh, well, there's nothing for me to do. I might as well just, you know, do yeah. whatever instead of looking at the incredible opportunity and the gift of time that we actually all have right now.
2: I mean, that's exactly it. And, um, and I mean, I think today, um, and what's going on in the world, I think that, um, there's just a tremendous amount of hunger for real leadership because we have quickly realized mm-hmm. how ill-prepared a lot of the leaders that we think are leaders in society um, are not actually mm-hmm. leaders. And so I think for people like you and I, this is absolutely the time to uh, be building our opportunities and to just tr- genuinely trying to get back to our roots of what makes us human, and then how can we genuinely help people right and like at a business level, we're also going to experience that too. like if your business does not um, if your business does not genuinely help people it's, i mean it's probably going to go down over the next couple of weeks or months, however long this coronavirus thing lasts and so I think you know a lot of you know chaos problems have to happen into our lives for us to deal with the issues that they're trying to ex- expose. And so, of course, like, I don't mean to downplay this issue. Um, You know, already, I believe 7,000 people have died from coronavirus. I hope it doesn't continue. I hope people get healthy. But, like, in a macro level, I think this is a great thing uh for humanity. Mm-hmm. That being said, everyone, I hope, is safe and, and whatnot, and make sure you take care of the people around you and whatnot. And then, real quick, what you said about, like, drugs and how sugar is a drug – I mean, I actually mentioned this in my book, Chapter 4, in my chapter under biochemistry, but I actually talk about this scientific study that was done where they didn't just take people who consumed sugar. They took people who consumed just regular junk food, uh, which is the American Standard Diet, and they scanned their brains. And they also scanned the brains of hardcore drug addicts, of people who do crack, coke, heroin. And they found when it comes to how their brain... Um, is illustrates gray matter, it's almost the same. And so when you really look at it, wow. it's not necessarily, it's not drugs versus everything else. It's not just don't do drugs because those are bad for you. It's, you. We have to understand sort of how our brains have been built for thousands of years. And we have to realize that there are things today because of technology, because of prosperity that never existed before. And that actually manipulates our natural hardware. And so whether it is, you know, you're eating some kind of food that didn't exist 50 or 100 years ago, or you're eating mm. pints of ice cream, or maybe you're drinking too much coffee, you have to realize that there are legitimate consequences to this. And then when you, when you look at the research, the actual science, um, it's actually really clear on what these chemicals, what these artificial preservatives and ingredients do, And, you know, a a big thing that I want to say is like a lot of people think that being obese is a moral issue or it's an issue of, oh, you just don't have enough discipline. Oh, it's just you don't have enough willpower. I don't think that's Mm -hmm. true at all. And I actually think that people who do struggle with obesity are those that actually have more willpower than most of us. And the matter of the fact is, is you know, I was dumbfounded when I found this in my research. But the matter of the fact is the reason why um, you see, you know, uh, most, of, most of America is reported as obese. If you're obese, you have an exponentially increased chance of developing depression or anxiety. The matter of the fact is, is that people don't stand a chance between their bodies and how our natural hardware has evolved to process like our cravings. When we're bored, we eat. Uh, sometimes we eat too much food. That's not, I quite frankly don't think that's someone's fault. I think that's because the, the food that people are um, consuming today is extremely dangerous in the sense of it hijacks your biology. So essentially, mm. billion dollar companies take their money and they hire scientists. They hire gastrologists people who are in the best in the world, the best marketers, the best branders, and they figure out how do we make the cheapest product that we can sell and when we make it the cheapest product, we fill it up with a ton of fillers. We fill it up with a ton of industrialized oils that when you consume them, they have damaging effects on your body. And in turn, we make them the most addictive. How can we add the exact percentage and ratio of sugar, to fat, mm-hmm. to fiber, to carbohydrates, to make this super addicting. And so you have people yeah. going around now that quite really don't understand biochemistry, don't actually understand that these companies are investing billions of dollars to, you know, I don't think it's some kind of conspiracy theory or anything like that to keep people unhealthy. It's just to increase profits, which is the goal of any kind of business right. in any kind of industry. But it's really hurting people. And for me, When I was obese, for me, when I was facing health issues, um, I quite frankly really wish that somebody had told me that, hey, did you know that statistically speaking, at grocery stores, the aisles in which you have the most Mm -hmm. amount of breakdowns from kids crying is the cereal aisle because cereal companies Mm -hmm. have been known to design their boxes with bright colors, which appeals to each one of our individual's brain sense of of color. And there's actually a theory out there that says the reason why human beings uh, have evolved to see with color is because we had to find fruit. We had to find sugar up on a tree and fruit is Mm -hmm. a bright color. And so scientists know this and they design their, their, their boxes with bright red and bright blue. And so when a kid who is probably hungry because they're also in this cycle <laughs> of eating constant sugar of, and constant junk food, mm-hmm. their brains literally have like a panic attack and they break down and they say, I want this right now and they start crying. And so there are so mm-hmm. many studies that I talk about in my book that link all these issues from our physical health to our mental health. And, you know, personally for me, like I, I physically exercise every day. I go to sleep every day for eight hours. I try to. I try to eat clean 100% of the time. And I do all these things, honestly, not even because of my physical health, but quite frankly, because of my mental health, because the science and the research is actually so clear. It's so clear uh, about this fact. And I think for anyone who actually does struggle with their mental health and these things that, quite frankly, are not that simple and are quite complicated, I think a good spot to sort of look at is like, what am I putting in my body? Because that food is going to go in and recreate all the cells in my organs. You know, a lot of people talk about mindset. A lot of people talk about being positive. Well, it's like, hey, if you're not giving your brain the raw resources it needs to, to recreate new cells in your brain, to recreate new pathways, you're thinking literally um cannot change and you look at the brain and it's mostly made out of water fat and minerals mm-hmm. and so if you can put that stuff back in your brain it'll help you focus and i think like on a bigger note too i think we quite frankly need to rename and retitle the words uh mental health with brain health because there's so much stigma mm-hmm. around mental health there's so much stigma around you're so you know, right whether it's social anxiety whether it's um, you know, a, a, a wide range of issues. And it's like the same way that like if your heart physically hurts and you have a heart issue, you go get help for your doctor and there's no stigma around that. Right. The same thing needs it's to happen health. to our brain. Yeah. Because the matter of fact is, is like I, I had social anxiety or I had depression or I had anxiety. It's not because I'm some terrible person. It's just because of, you know, the, the circumstances that evolved And what you're even doing to your brain with
1: the food and yeah everything that you're doing. I love that idea, and I love the idea of calling it brain health. We are going to go ahead and take another break. My name again is Carla Taylor, and this is the Bring Your Brilliance radio show. We have been having this fascinating conversation here on Inspired Choices Network with Mark Metry, host of the Humans 2.0 podcast, and we will be right back to hear some more.
0: We all have a personal brand. It's what people say about you when you're not in the room. What if you knew how to clearly and confidently communicate your value in a compelling way? Tune in to the Bring Your Brilliance radio show with personal branding and LinkedIn strategist Carla Taylor to discover the tools, resources, and inspiration you need to get started and keep growing. Are you ready to make your mark? Learn how to bring your brilliance by listening Yo, to the Bring Your so Brilliance Radio today. Show every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Mountain, and 7 a.m. Pacific on hey, InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Well. Uh- do you struggle to answer what do you do because you do many different things? Do you want your future
1: clients to know, like, and trust you? Do you want to make LinkedIn work for you? If you're ready for extreme clarity and confidence with opportunities flooding your LinkedIn inbox, Carla Taylor's Bring Your Brilliance coaching, masterminds, and workshops give you the exact steps to get it done. Don't have time to do it yourself? Carla's LinkedIn content ghostwriting service is exactly what you need. Schedule your free consultation today at bringyourbrilliance.as.me or go to bringyourbrilliance.net.
0: This is the Bring Your Brilliance Radio Show with personal branding and LinkedIn strategist Carla Taylor. To join today's conversation, call in the U.S. at 815 880 8255 or Canada at 613 800 8736 or Skype at Inspired Choices Network. Or ask a question or send a comment by email at bringyourbrilliance at gmail.com. Now, back to the program.
1: And we are back. Again, my name is Carla Taylor. We are here on the Bring Your Brilliance show and podcast here on Inspired Choice Network. And before we jump back in with our incredibly fascinating conversation, I wanted to give you a heads up. What's coming up with Bring Your Brilliance? There's going on in the world now I really want to provide some resources to all of you, we can even a The introverts and extroverts, and so, especially for the extroverts who are maybe not to work from home or working in what feels very isolating um, alone time, I am going to be hosting some collaborative co working sessions virtually, and they will be regularly throughout the week. So, look for that on bringyourbrilliance.net, or you can also follow me on LinkedIn to find out more. And I will also be launching a six-week accelerated program to help you and your business work on something that you've been wanting to do. And now that you have the time to do and something that will also produce you income that's focused on helping people that will be recession-proof. And so we're going to bring small groups together of no more than six people so that we can work really fast and do three two-week sprints in this six-week mastermind. It's called the Bring Your Brilliance Power Circle. And again, look for that on my website, bringyourbrilliance.net. And Mark Metry here, um, he is the host of the Humans 2.0 podcast, Mark, you are such a wealth of information. Before we jump back into the conversation, would you like to tell everyone a little bit more about how to find you or what you would like them to do next, I'm assuming, especially with the amazing book that you've been
2: referencing? Yeah, of course. Uh, Go to Amazon, search Screw Being Shy, or just search my name. And um, if the book's of interest to you, definitely grab a copy. And then also if you – you know, whether it's you have kids or you know someone that, um, you know, might experience this issue or ha- they've talked to you openly about it, definitely send them a link or just grab them a copy.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. And, of course, also subscribe to your podcast, <laughs> which is hum- Humans 2.0, <laughs> and it's incredibly great content. You've had some incredible interviews with all sorts of amazing people as well. And like I said, I also so appreciate your daily, often multiple times a day, you're putting out some fantastic content on LinkedIn as well. So for sure, follow Mark Metry, M-E-T-R-Y, M-A-R-K, M-E-T-R-Y, on LinkedIn as well so, yes, thank you, and I love what you were saying right before we went to break about changing even the words of how we think about mental health, which has got such a stigma to it, to brain health and and really looking at the way everything is so interconnected, our, our physical health, our brain health, our ways that we're operating in the world. I love all the points you've been making about how even our food, has been engineered and structured so that we're the most addicted to it. And again, I don't think it's, you know, evil forces or anything, but it really is, all, you know, it's about profit for these companies who are very purposely mm-hmm. doing that. Same thing with our electronics and same thing with the apps that keep people yeah. addicted. And even I think, you know, Netflix binge watching has become such a thing and there's so many different ways that people are, are being marketed to and catered to these addictive things in us that want more. And, of course, the people selling it want us to want more. (laughs) And, again, I don't think Mm. it's an evil thing by any means. But it is our human nature that they are um, tapping into. And so when we get really clear on ourselves and what our human response is, and even the – I talked about, like, your kids, like, especially now, a lot of us are going to be home with our kids, and I've got – triplet teenagers who are 17 years old and each of them have struggled with their own you know, anxiety and depression and different things that they've been through in their lives already with some trauma that we've had as a family. And so we've been working a lot on that and they keep telling me, well, mom, it doesn't matter what I eat, even though I actually grew up with like the most nutrition focused mother ever (laughs) who was having like ground her own wheat and made her own bread and had bean sprouts and all sorts of healthy foods for us growing up before it was Uh even cool. She was organic before organic was a thing, and um, but my kids, you know, being teenagers, they've been you know out in the world and eating the the chips and the cookies that I kept them away from when they were little, <laughs> and so now they are telling me it doesn't matter, and they're skinny, and you just made the point too about you know all of the things that that yeah. have to do with our physical health, but I keep telling them it's more than just being skinny. <laughs> it's about your whole health yeah. and I'd love I'd love it if you would say something directly to them but even anyone <laughs> kind of has that mindset that if I if I have a thin body or an, you know what seems to be an inchy right. body but you're still eating all that junk what would you say to them and particularly where it has to do with what we've been talking about with what we're now going to call brain health
2: yeah definitely and so um you know, first and foremost I would say that um you know, I have a belief and it's everyone is exactly where they're supposed to be. And so if you are listening to this and you're like, you know, I'm gonna keep eating all the pizzas and Doritos I want, you know, you should do whatever you want, <laughs> but um but good luck. You know, and, and I talk about this in my book and I actually say that um a lot of skinny people, including myself, we we kinda think that there can't possibly be a problem with our health because we're skinny. And that just sort of goes back to, you know, the the toxic model that we had for for weight and exercise previously. Like for me, I remember growing up and I didn't learn anything about food other than the fact or the supposed fact that is like, if you eat too much food, then you will gain weight and you will um, be fat. And so that is so toxic because that's just not the way the world works. And the matter of the fact is, is like, someone, someone eating unhealthy food that may manifest in their body as obesity. It might manifest for someone else in their body as diabetes. It might manifest as liver disease. It might manifest as ADHD. It might manifest as mental health problems. And so, um, everything is really connected. But what I would say is honestly, Mm -hmm. especially if you are not obese, because if you're obese. your body is currently dealing uh, with the issue of, of malnutrition and not putting the right kinds of food. Um, it's dealing with it the way it knows how, which is by excreting mm-hmm. insulin, uh, building more fat on your waistline, you becoming overweight. But for someone who maybe their body doesn't react in that way, it may react in like um, a way of having mental health problems, or having attention problems or having anxiety problems. And so what I would say to someone is honestly, and I think a major theme of life is like everyone from the moment they're born, they go out there and they're trying to be successful. They are trying to be the best that they can based on their own definition, based on whatever's happening in their lives and be successful. And oftentimes what happens in our lives is we may reach a version of that success. And then we quickly realize that it's quite frankly not the case. And so, to that, I would say is like a lot of us, we're just living our lives until something breaks, until whatever we have been Mm. doing no longer works. And now we finally face the repercussions for that. And so, for me, you know, I thank God it happened to me when I was 18 and it didn't happen to me, let's say, when I was 30. Let's say I, for whatever reason, whether it's my genetics, or whatever, let's say I did have an extremely resilient body. And if I didn't do all the changes that I did when I was 30, I mean, I I could have, um, you know, long lasting issues and diseases that um, I didn't really have before, or maybe it would have been much harder for me to get out of than the way I did get out of them over the last four or five years of my life. And so I thank God that that, that I broke and these issues sort of happened to me. Because if they didn't, I I still maybe would have been running on that same track. So I'm glad it broke. And honestly, I think until someone experiences that breaking point and not facing success, then they have to sort of backtrack and do it. And then when it comes to like a parenting perspective, especially with food, I mean there's so much to talk about, but real quick, I mean I'll say like there's a lot of people, there's a lot of health conscious parents that grow up and they, you know, teach their parent they teach their kids that, you know, eating junk food is bad and all this stuff, and they don't allow Mm -hmm. it in their house, or they restrict them. I don't really think that's the best way to do it because that very much creates sort of um, the forbidden fruit syndrome where they will grow up (laughs) forever. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. And so I think if you just teach your kids like, hey, you should eat whatever you want, but hey, guess what? If you eat this entire bag of candy for Halloween, you're going to get sick. And sometimes kids, they need to get sick and they need to get hurt to then realize and sort of make their own discipline planning their own independence in their own lives to kind of have like that level of self-sufficiency to make their own decisions in life. And so I think that's the way to go about it. You know, there's a lot of parents, a lot of stories of how, you know, eating disorders were formed by um, like, I I was on a podcast before and the host was telling me that like, and he, and this guy is, uh, is obese and he was telling me like when he was growing up, his dad would always like remove the plate from him if he was eating too much. And it's just like all these things impact someone's lives, and they go on to form eating disorders. And so a major part of that um, has to do with teaching your kids good habits around everything, but especially food, because we do that multiple times a day, and it's super important for our physical and mental health, and it's important people understand and form a great relationship with that.
1: Well, and healthy habits is such an important point, and we've only got about a minute left, so I want to ask you really quick this final question, which is usually your first question, but in this context of the fact that you lead by example and you yourself live these healthy habits, and the current situation is very different than it was last week. So currently, Mark, how are you living life on this planet?
2: With one minute left, I'll say that uh, I've been prepping for the last six months, (laughs) month in March and uh, everything in my life has gotten canceled. And so for me, I'm Mm. sort of just trying to keep with the same values and priorities that I've always had while trying to come up with uh, a plan B and working over time while also not stressing myself out. And so quite frankly, for me, I don't even know. I'm just trying to just go through this. I'm trying to, um, you know, like I said, meet with people's human values, see what people actually need versus what's going to make me money and how I can actually participate in the world. And I know this is only going to bring us from here because the worst part about or the best part about rock bottom and struggle is the fact that they get you to a point in your life where you have nothing else to lose. You start off from zero. And when you start off from zero, that can get you to do a lot of things that you normally wouldn't do
1: we get focused on being resourceful and even the economy and the recession recessions tend to restore resourcefulness in all of us and like you said focus on how we're helping others is where we're going to find the most success. So again Mark thank you so much for helping all of us sharing your incredible Thanks for listening
0: to another episode of Bring Your Brilliance with Carla Taylor. For the latest updates and you're info on, on personal branding please follow and interact with Carla Taylor on LinkedIn. And be sure to visit Com. Join Carla Taylor every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Mountain, and 7 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com.